I believe in love when the feeling is not there. I believe in God even when he is silent. We find these words written on a cellar in Cologne, Germany, where a Jew is crowded, hiding from the Nazis. It's going to be a little bit different idea or different twist that comes out of my sermon today for a Christmas sermon, because normally we think of a little baby. But today I want to talk more about <clears throat> the promise of what is given to us by the Christmas season. Well, I want to talk about how it is that we can trust, that we can understand that even in this hustle, this bustle that we call Christmas, this frantic rush to give the best gift, to outdo anybody else in our Christmas decorations, that I still believe that God is there in Christmas. In this world, the power to reject the conspiracy of lies and to strengthen and persist in the midst of despair comes from embracing God. Faith invites God into the midst of suffering. With the stumbling breath of prayer of faith must speak, and it sounds very far away, but God's presence is there with us. It is interesting, in, even in, here in town, there's a large church that puts on a Christmas pageant. I don't know, many of you have probably seen it, but it's up in the Killarn area. It's a very wonderful thing that you actually drive through. And the first time our family went there, we were in this line of cars that looked like it was two hours long. And we thought, well, I don't know if this is worth it. But when you finally go through and drive through this scene, it is intricately put together. It is a wonderful, beautiful portrayal of all the different scenes that we have come to know as the nativity scenes. Well acted out, well scripted, so that each time that you drive through here, each car will get the experience of actually being there in the village of Bethlehem during this time. And when we look at this, we, we look at this for the meaning that comes out of this. And we see also in our story today a special meaning coming out of what's in the book of Esther. Do you realize that in the book of Esther... The word God does not appear in the book of Esther anywhere. It's hard to believe that. And in many ways, even in the when they were putting the Jewish Bible together, there were many who felt this was not, should not become part of the canon. But it has become part of our canon. And we can see a leading of God, even though we may not see the words there. We start with sometimes that we think that obeying the law of God or his will will get us into trouble because by obeying the law of God, by obeying his rules, that people will begin to persecute us. And so sometimes we think it's safer to go with the majority, to go with 
kind of with the flow and to keep everything there. But when we look at this story of Esther, we're looking at a group of people. We have in the Bible, we have the Ezra-Nehemiah story where some went back to Jerusalem. But when we actually look at this story, about more than 90% actually stayed in Medo-Persia. They seemed like, well, we already have our homes here. Why do we have to go and sacrifice? We will be safer here. So it seems like a safer way to go. We're established here. What can go wrong? But as we see this story start out, we find many different things are about to go wrong with those that stayed behind. Now, as stories go, it kind of starts off good. There is a party going on. And it talks about this party or this feast going on for half a year. That's a party. Um, if you're going to party for half a year, you're, you've, you've got a lot going on, okay? And so when we look at this, I mean, when we had a progressive party, um, they didn't want us to stay too long. They kicked us off after every half hour or so because we've got to go to the next one. But could you imagine someplace that's throwing a party for half a year? And so in the middle of this, the king's in a drunken stupor, and he thinks he rules the world. He's about to find out he doesn't. But So what does he do? He calls for his queen, and he says, come, join us. What does she say? And she says, no. Sometimes as men, we think we have all the power, but understand where the power lies here. And we see this battle start up. Who's most important? Is it the king or the queen? There's, there's the story in the animal kingdom that we all know of the peacock, which the male peacock has these wonderful gold, blue, turquoise feathers that it fans out trying to attract the mate. And nine times out of ten, the female ignores. It's just a flash. It's just nothing is quite there. And so with this history lesson, we have other history lessons just like this. When I was growing up as a kid, I, I remember this story so much. Because there was a rising, well, he was kind of over the hill at this time. But during 1946 to 1949, he was the top male tennis star. And he opened his mouth and said, any half-decent male player could defeat even the best female player. And so, as we all know, Bobby Riggs played Billie Jean King. What happened? Billie Jean King won, but did it solve anything? It still didn't solve anything, did it? And so now we see this king who has decided to kick Vashti out as queen and to live alone without a king. It seems odd that this would happen but as in so many things in our lives, we can look at the plan, we can look at what is happening in our lives, and we think, okay, this is the way I should go. It seems very clear, but sometimes we make mistakes, but God still works it out, doesn't he? He will still make plans and make changes in everything that's happening. So here, from this place, we see the entire palace 
is in agreement with the king that the queen should be kicked out and that he should choose another one. And as is so many times the case, God's hand is leading. Even in today's world, when everything seems upside down and so many things are happening, it is wonderful to know that God is still leading. He's in control. No matter who is in charge of the world, God is still in control, and he makes events happen to his privilege, not ours. We like clouds in the high sky, and when we see the different shapes and the different colors, we appreciate them on a hot day because it blocks the sun. But too many times, sometimes the clouds get a little bit lower and a little bit lower, and sometimes those clouds are right on the ground. And as my son used to say when he was a little boy, it got froggy, or it gets foggy. And we don't like fog because that's hard to drive in. We can't see what's going on. And here we have a story of a kingdom where a people all become part of a cloud. And they're dwelling in this land. They decided to stay. They thought it was safer there. And all of a sudden, this fog descends on them. They realize, maybe we should have gone because now we're all about to be killed. And right ever after everything was supposed to be good, when Esther was queen and Mordecai was doing his job as the king's bodyguard, we get right in the middle of the fog. We have this man named Haman who is exalted above all other advisors in Medio Persia. And we see that Haman was a proud man and he would walk past Mordecai. And Mordecai... At that time, the Jews bowed to no one. We only serve God. We do not serve anyone else. And because of this, he didn't bow to Haman. So Haman's heart is stirred against him. Luckily, we as humans never get our hearts stirred against anyone, right? We never want to take revenge. And so he's atypical, right? It's too bad because... So much of the time, this is what makes humans tick. It is this revenge or this we seek to make ourselves better than all those around us. And we see from our text this morning that there's this certain people scattered across the land. And in today's world, we see this certain people scattered across the land doing bad things. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in this and to say we must banish or kill all these certain people. And we must be careful because at some time we all understand this will come to us because we will be a different, peculiar people. When we look at this, Haman is ready to give a lot of silver, 10,000 talents to those who will go out and rid the world of this evil people. Genocide has always been a human disaster. It not only took millions of lives, but it created hatred, cruelty, and it puts those peculiar people on another level. We can make those peculiar people just a beast, not even human. 
we look at so many examples of the Jews that were killed by the Nazis. We have the example that in comparative numbers, there were about 20 million Soviet soldiers killed in World War II. But it's estimated that Stalin, in order to purify his people, may have put as many as 50 million people in prison and to death to get rid of the peculiar people. And in 1938, we see that spontaneous eruption of violence against the Germans, I mean, against the Jews in Germany and Austria, which now we know as Kristallnacht or Night of the Crystal, because so many windows were breaking that it just became this legend. And in order to create this grand plan to get rid of people, we had to make these people subhuman. And so by making this peculiar people subhuman, it was easy to say, I am better than them. If I get rid of them, my life will be better. So the same thing is happening here in the times of Esther. This certain people, we must get rid of them. A certain people scattered and dispersed among the provinces of the kingdom. Their laws are different from other peoples. They do not keep the king's laws. Does it remind you of any events today? As a people waiting for Jesus and waiting for the end of times, we also understand that we will become that peculiar people also. God's chosen people will be put aside by society and their faith tested exactly as it was in the days of Esther. At the end of times, this story will repeat with tremendous similarity and all the peoples of God will be made as enemies of society and the world. Their lives will cost nothing in the eyes of society and everything and everybody who would like to kill God's people will be thinking they are doing it for good. But even in the darkest hour, even in the darkest place where our lives are worth nothing, God will be there. God's eyes will always be on his people, and with his shining face, he will raise his hand to protect those who were taken to slaughter, to set free those who are closed in prisons, to save those that are destined to destruction. Because God's eyes are not human eyes, and even the majority who are about to destroy God's people, God will be able to deliver them from certain death. When we look back at our story here of Esther, we see Mordecai bringing out this and in talking with Esther in a heartfelt talk. Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than any of the rest of the Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Here Mordecai asks for help from a person who is next to the king. But there's a huge risk involved. Both Esther and Mordecai knew, know that it could mean certain death. 
but they step forward as a witness at this time. They step forward not only to save her life, but the lives of her peculiar people. Now, in this day and age, we live in a time where we are completely consumed with consumerism. We see that so much in Christmas. Here's the latest toy. Here's the latest gadget. You must give this. You must get that. But for us at this time, in this time, God calls for our help to step out and not be silent, to step up for the Lord and to raise our voice and to tell others what Christmas is all about. Mordecai speaks to us today, and this is not a mistake. He speaks to us. Speak up for the Lord. Do not remain silent. Stand up for the Lord and let it be known the true meaning of why we are here. And Esther takes time to think about this. And then the most incredible happens. She decides to rather die with her own people than to live in silence anymore. She asks for prayer and fasting for three days before she goes before the king. We must understand that this prayer, this breath of the soul, how many times just this week we can see how prayer and faith can help us. We have prayed for others who are sick, who are hurting. And we are good. It's wonderful to see Burrow back with us today. Answer to prayer. We pray about these things because we care about our family. And here we see an earnest group of peculiar people that came together. When we come together and we pray, it is everything. And God will hear and will answer and will raise up his people. Unexperienced people would like to think that she would have asked on her very first time. But she takes time and invites the king to her feast one more time. We have to remember this is a king that kind of likes partying and feasting. And this time she reveals, but she is a wise person. And she waits till the right moment to define what is happening to her people. And then God makes a miracle, and the king takes the side of this woman, which at that time was unthinkable. We have to remember that he thought women were just for ordering about. But yet here he is listening to a woman and taking her advice. And this risk is paid off. And when God makes a miracle, the king takes the side of the woman. You have to remember that it's because of his friends that he had kicked out the king. But now we see that the king makes the order to save her peculiar people. And just like that, even more glorious, there will be protection coming from God's people at the end of time. So many times we read the text and we say, oh, there's this huge time of trouble. And we fail to read the next text. What does it say in the next text? then the Lord returns and delivers his people. That's what we look forward to. That's why a little baby came to this world to deliver his peculiar people from the clutches of even greater harm, eternal death.
this baby came to us. And so when I look at that today and I see this story bringing about what seemingly one person can do, we have to remember what one little baby did. So we remember these words written so long ago on a wall. I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love when it is not felt. I believe in God even when he is silent. And I believe in a baby from a woman who is the savior of myself and the world. May this be the Christmas that we all remember why the baby came. Amen.